Welcome everyone to our Monday night meditation service. Tonight's talk is what's the real difference between pain and suffering? And in my last talk, I kind of explored some of this a little bit, but I, I want to make it even clearer. So I'm going to start by a reading tonight from one of the Buddhist scriptures, which we call sutras. And this is from the Salata Sutra. And it's called the Two Arrows. Now, this sutra is kind of long. And, and just reading, you know, one or two lines from it, which sometimes works, won't work for this one. So I'm going to actually tell you the story <laughs> in, in a brief form. And basically the story is, is that this guy comes to Shakyamuni, as many people did. In Shakyamuni's day, we actually have it in the sutras, uh, his schedule. <laughs> so he would get up in the morning, he would have his breakfast, he would go out. In order to get his breakfast, he would go out and beg and, you know, put out his bowl. And then he would take it back and he would eat with everyone. And then he would spend his time working with his uh, folks that he was training to be priests or those who had been ordained in the order. And then he would spend time working with the laity. People could come and listen to him talk or he would basically counsel people. And in the evenings he would have his one meal right around uh, dusk and then he would eat anything after like sundown. But he would have a lighter meal in the evening and then before he would go to sleep, it is said that the angels and gods would come and visit him in his twilight grotto, and he would teach them the way of liberation as well. <laughs> I kind of love that scene because I'm a night owl, and I love the night hour, and I just imagine the Buddha sort of there in the, in the balmy evening of the tropical zone that he was in and having these different creatures from other worlds visiting him, all wanting to know how to be free from their suffering. So here the story goes like this. So this was a lay person who comes to Shakyamuni and he says, hey, he says, you know, can I talk to you? And the Buddha, of course, said, please, you know, and so the guy goes on and on and he tells him all these problems he's got, <laughs> you know, and he just says to the Buddha, I, what am I going to do? So in this case, Shakyamuni said to him, he said, well, let me, let me ask you a question. Suppose a man was walking down a path and from out of somewhere, an arrow was shot. And this arrow hits him and wounds him. Would that be painful? And the guy said, well, yeah, of course that would be painful. <laughs> and so Shakyamuni says, well, then imagine that another arrow comes out of nowhere. And this arrow hits him in the exact same spot. Do you think that would cause him more pain? <laughs> he says, well, yes, Lord. <laughs> I, I think that would hurt a lot more. You know, what's the old thing? Pouring salt in an open wound? And he said, okay, so then the second arrow would be worse than the first arrow. Is that right? Is that what, you, is that what you're getting? And the 
layperson said, yes, Lord, I, that's, that's very clear to me. So then Shakyamuni explained to him the meaning behind the parable of the two arrows. The first arrow represents the actual thing that hooks us. That's the thing that first gets us. Right? And, and that kind of pain, that's, that's something that we're all going to experience from time to time. And those things you might say are an ordinary part of life. And that the pain of life begins with birth, right? You know, when the baby comes out, <laughs> if, if the baby isn't crying when it comes out of the womb, the doctor gives it a swat on the behind to get it to cry. And why does it do that? It needs to cry to get its lungs working. Get the fluid out and get the lungs working, right? So it's painful. And I imagine after being in that soft, warm, gooey womb, being out in the air <laughs> would kind of be a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> so it's painful, right? I'm going to come back to that metaphor of the giving birth. But it's painful. And then we, you know, we go through our lives. And what do we have, you know? Well, we, we have to learn to walk. You know, if we're, let's say we're free of disease or we're free of anything like that and we pass that test, what's that test called? APGAR. Uh, the APGAR test? APGAR. APGAR test, right? And you have 10 things I think they check. Let's say you go past that in flying colors like my son did. He went through that in flying colors. Then what happens? Well, the child is exposed to the world of hunger. It's hungry. Before, everything was taken care of through this cord, this umbilical lifeline with the mother. It didn't have to get hungry. It just ate. Based, it, was, it absorbed nutrients based on the mother. Now it's hungry. <laughs> now it must be fed. Right? And then, you know, traditionally or classically, the baby will go to the mother's breast. And that's not painless. That can hurt. I've talked to mothers who, who have fed their children naturally like that. It hurts. But the baby experiences hunger. So you get where I'm going? There's a lot of pain from that get-go. And then you're exposed to the wonderful world of bacteria and viruses and the interaction with your own immune system and that. And then, then you get sick and you have the pain of that. And then you get old enough, guess what happens? Your teeth fall out. That happens twice in your existence if you live long enough. Once when you're small and once when you're old. But your teeth fall out. And that can be painful because sometimes they just won't come. And you need a big brother to tie a string around it and put it to a, tie it to a doorknob and do it quick. <laughs> My poor sister, Christine, that's the way I helped her get rid of one of her teeth. After I'd done it myself, to be fair, I did it to myself first. And then we go through emotional pains, right? Relationships, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends. Yeah, the whole nine yards. And then what are we going to do with our lives, you know? How are we going to feed ourselves? How are we going to put a roof over our heads? How are we going to get from point A to point B? And what are we going to do? Are we going to do something that makes us feel good? Something that makes us feel like we're giving back in some way? 
it's painful, man. And then you go out and you do all these things, and the very people that you love, the more you love them, the more pain it's going to cause you. At some point, and, and and you just go through all these things, and finally, finally, you come to the end of this round, and you can only pray that it's not painful, <laughs> because for most people, it is. It's very painful. So, man, <laughs> what's the old Monty Python expression from uh, the life of Brian? Life's a piece of it. Shit, when you look at it. <laughs> but what's the refrain? Look on the bright side of life. Look on the bright side of life. So, that first arrow, man, it's a fact. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is something that I think is important for us in understanding the difference between them. I'm going to come back to it a little bit. This pain we can learn to bear. We can learn to bear this pain if we are willing to look at life realistically. And that's what a big part of our Buddhist philosophy is about, is looking at life realistically. Not looking away from it, not creating some fantasy world to live, you know, apart from it, but realizing that reality will always be our best place, even when it's painful because we know what to do. And it's the turning away from the pain, actually, that creates suffering, that creates dukkha. It's the turning away from it. It's the resistance of pain that causes the suffering. And it's not, and it's not even the same. Like, you can't even say, for example, that because you have the first arrow, that, you know, the second arrow will be there. Because that second arrow, which is the suffering, right? That's the story we tell about the pain. That's the resistance we have to the pain. Well, it's not always there the same. Like, for example, and I, I, <laughs> I as a man, do not know what it's like to be pregnant. And I don't know what it's like to give birth. And quite frankly, I'm kind of glad I don't. But my wife knows what that's like. And I remember, you know, when she finally ended up going to the hospital to deliver our son. I remember she was in pain. And, you know, she wasn't the type of person who was going to, like, say, oh, no, no. I want to do this all natural. She was like, whatever you can do to help is good. And we did Lamaze, and we did all kinds of practices, very much like our Dharma practices, and that helped. And I was there by her side continuously. I even helped deliver my son. But they gave her a, a, a spinal, where they injected into her spine some anesthesia, a block, I guess is epidural. what they call it, epidural, yeah. And this epidural is to block the pain. <laughs> well, much to my wife's chagrin, they have a thing called windows of pain, that even with the epidural, you can still have a window of pain. And I think the window of pain was pretty significant, was it not? <laughs> my wife is here, she's laughing. Now, in that experience, it was very painful, right? 
But once my son came forth into the world, and I held him and calmed him by speaking to him the way I had spoken to him all those nine months in, next to her belly. And then I brought her to him. I brought him to her, and she saw him. And now, if you ask my wife today what she remembers of that event, do you think she remembers the pain? Not really. She remembers the joy. So you see, what does that show you? It shows you that really pain and suffering aren't the same thing. You can go through a lot of pain, but it's the way you interpret the pain as to whether it ends up being suffering or not. And we also know this is true from studies that have been done for years. The earliest one that was done was in Korea during the Korean War. And some psychologists, psychiatrists did a study with uh, guys being wounded and taken back to mass shootings. And what they found was if, if a guy was wounded exactly the same way, right? Soldier A and Soldier B have the exact same wounds. But Soldier A knows he's going home, and Soldier A doesn't want to be there anyway. Well, guess what? Soldier A hardly needs any morphine for the pain of his wounds. But Soldier B, who also doesn't want to be there, let's say, Soldier B knows that as soon as he gets all patched up, he's going back to the front. Well, guess what? Here's what they discovered from their study. Soldier B couldn't get enough morphine. So you, it's not about the pain. It's what we say the pain means. And as Shakyamuni said to this fellow, he said, we can learn to bear the first pain if if we don't create that second arrow, we can learn to bear it. So how do we do that? Well, in some cases, like the fellow that was going home from the war and my wife giving birth to our son, that was the story. That was enough, you know? And so it's, it's, it's what we tell ourselves about the pain that turns it into suffering. And so what can we do? Well, obviously in those two circumstances, it was right there. It was the joy of becoming a mother. It was the joy of, of, of having this baby. And for the soldier, it was the... The, the, the gratitude and joy of knowing he was going to go home finally and he wouldn't have to be dodging bullets every day like he had been. So there you go. That's, that's how it works. Now you could say that that only works so long, right? <laughs> will, will that work? Because I can tell you that as my wife became a new mother and I became a new father,
there was new pains that came in. And imagine this soldier, he can't wait to go home, right? And he's got a Jane waiting for him. And Jane, while he's in the hospital waiting to go home, sends him a Dear John letter. <laughs> so he was, he was all ready to go home, didn't have to go back to the front, couldn't wait to go home to be with Jane, and then he gets a Dear John. You know what? Now he might want to go right back to the front. You see? So that's, that's the difference between, you know, what we might say is the reason that that pain is not what was being focused on. And that's the difference, see? Because that alone won't do it. Because that's just replacing, that's trading off one thing for another. And that's okay. That's usually what life is. It's a trade-off. But mindfulness is something altogether different. Mindfulness is not just replacing one narrative for another so that you go along until that other narrative gets a hole poked in it, like our poor John. Mindfulness is the specific practice of seeing what thoughts that you're having in that moment and then asking questions of that thought to determine whether or not it is clear, to determine whether or not it is based on reality, that it is reasonable, that it is helpful to you. And not just helpful to you in that moment, but helpful to you in the long way around. And that's the only thing I've ever found in my life that really does that. Because sometimes you trade off, right? You know, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And I even would encourage people to think more positively. You know, I used to call it positive PMA, positive mental attitude. And that's a good thing. But if that's all you're doing, then you're just trading one narrative for another. And guess what? If it's not based on clarity, a hole will be poked in it and you'll be right back in your suffering. Mindfulness is different. Mindfulness is, is different in the sense that we really understand what's happening. We don't go from one reaction to another, which maybe is better, but it only lasts so long until the next thing comes along. Mindfulness allows us to change our beliefs and that changes everything. So, once Shucky Mooney explained it to this dude, he felt better because he realized he now had a choice that the suffering was optional. And Shucky Mooney said one other thing. He said, now regard to the first arrow, to the pain, he said, we can learn to bear that pain. And he was very clear about that. How do you do that? 
And we do that by bearing witness to each other's pain. And that's what Sangha is. When I spoke last time about Sangha and the importance of Sangha. But that's what Sangha is for. Sangha is for us to bear our pain together. And I can tell you that I didn't always understand this. And the first time I really, really got it is when my sister passed. And I've always been kind of strong and independent. I don't need, you know, others, that kind of thing. But boy, when her passing occurred and people in the Sangha reached out to me, they helped me to bear that pain. I needed the Dharma to free me from the suffering. But boy, I'll tell you what, I realized how much my Sangha bore my pain. And that's, that's what we are called to do, to bear one another's pain in the Sangha. And to give us comfort and care when we go through our trials. And our teachers in the Sangha are there to gently help us to become clear so that that second arrow doesn't have to take root because we can learn to bear the first one. So, in summary, that's the difference between pain and suffering. So, I would admonish you to practice the way of mindful living and I would encourage you to find your sangha. You need both in this battle world.